What is sin? It's an interesting question. It's one of those types of things that we know that after everything is said and done, we've been told all of our lies that we shouldn't be doing. It's something that we even avoid talking about, and yet day in and day out, we sin. And it raises a good question, which is really, what is sin? I postulated a long time ago that there are these needs within our ego. The ego being that part of us that helps us deal with the world, there is there are these needs, these six basic needs within our ego. There is the emotional need, there is the intellectual need, there is the sexual need, there is the erotic need, which is the need to be held and touched and caressed. There is the need to be ourselves with others, <clears throat> and finally the need to meet the needs of others. And it is within these different six ego needs where sin exists in terms of human relations you know because what our ego is willing to do in order to get what it needs in other words in order to get some measure of gratification and in hopes of getting some measure of reduction of tension the human being will find and commit sins they become gluttonous uh, you know full of avarice lust greed you know, excessive passion. You know, we do these things, what we call the seven deadly sins. We'll do these things because then and only then will our ego feel at least a momentary decrease in fear or tension. But it's just that, momentary at best. And so when we think of it from a psychological perspective, sin is an attempt by our ego to try to get these needs gratified. How do we get to this place? You know, it's a fascinating thing to think, okay, well, you know, if I must do these things in order to get what it is I'm looking for, that also raises the fascinating question from a philosophical perspective, which is, therefore, I knew what it is I needed before I knew I needed these things or before I found these substitutes. In other words, there had to have been some original sense of gratification that occurred before I realized that I didn't have that source of gratification. And then my ego began to chase it in a myriad of ways, artificial pleasures, fantasized pleasures. It began to chase these things. So therefore there was a part of me that had to have known what true gratification was. I've talked before about the wide open reality, that place where there's really a connection with God and the world within which we live, especially in the beginning with this loving relationship, one can hope, with our mother. And it's in that space where that first sense of gratification came from. You know, it's much like this poem by C.S. Lewis where he talked about, or at least a seg segment of the poem, where he talked about, you know, hearing music. And in this part, he's talking about hearing music that a part of him knows part of him has never heard before you know and I think we all have that within us in this unconscious level we all have this sense that there is something that we are striving toward day in and day out that is familiar to us but yet we're not familiar with it in other words it has become unconscious to us and so what is sin in those circumstances sin is the ego's need to try to get that gratification but from a religious perspective, it's also a turning away. It's a turning away from God.
towards this sad reality of living that says, okay, well, I've got to strive to get these things. And I'm going to, you know, I, I remember a Seinfeld episode where he talked about, you know, how your eyes are always much bigger than your stomach. And so you'll say more food, more food, more food. You know, that gluttonous longing to fill an empty space, a space that really belongs to God and the gratification that we can get only from having nourishing, loving relationships with those people that are in our lives who are healthy for us, people who are substitutes to some degree, but also healthy substitutes for God. He gives us each other to love, to cherish, to take care of, to be kind toward, to be gentle with, but most of all to love. Because what he's seeking for us to do is to emulate the love that he gave to us or that he seeks to give to us that we have become, sadly for most, unconscious of because we have to, quote unquote, live in this real world. We don't have to stay there, though. We don't have to stay in that space of myopic reality where I have to strive to get my ego's needs gratified. Instead, there is that space. You know, we can go to church we can read our Bibles. We can you know, read the writings of the saints. We can read the writings of those who someday will be saints. You know, we can spend our time listening to those who seek to give us guidance toward a better life, toward a fulfilling purpose. You know, and then we become disciples as well. There's a danger to this, though. And the danger is this, is that Christ said that those who have more of more will be asked. So in other words, if I have learned a great deal about what it is that Christ is about, what God is about, it puts more of a responsibility on my shoulders to share that with you, to make sure that you're aware of it, so I can help you through this as well. And so when we think about this, you know, we have this choice to make. Do I want to keep living in this place where day in and day out I'm striving for something that in the end I will not be able to take with me? And in the end, when all my griping and grousing and complaining and gluttony and lust and avarice and greed, when all these things are done and I'm laying on the, my bed dying, wherever that bed might be, you know, will I be surrounded really by people who will love me and who have loved me, who I have helped save perhaps, or will I be alone? can only take with you the things that you have given away. That's something to consider. Be well.